This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Anatomy of Us, a show dedicated to bringing real help to real couples. I'm your host, Melanie Studley. What's up, guys? My name is Seth Studley. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and together we are high-performance marriage coaches. We are cutting through the bullcrap and creating a movement of happy, healthy, badass couples all over the world. Let's go! What's up, guys? Today we talk all about family and parenting. This is an episode that's super cool super practical advice that uh, really gave us a different perspective on how we parent. We interviewed Dan Peterson, and he is a practitioner. He's a therapist like me and is a practitioner of the nurtured heart approach. Mm -hmm. And he goes into all kinds of stuff. It's a really super cool conversation. Yeah, you are going to love it. So check it out. Check him out and enjoy the show. What's up, Dan? Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Right I'm on. Doing good. Yeah. Right on. And uh, so we met through a, a mutual friend, Larry Hagner, uh, over yeah. at the Dad Edge. And um, we're, we're talking to him right now. We're going to do some collaboration stuff, which is pretty cool. But uh, how, how, nice. how did you, um, how long have you known him and how long have you been in a part of that group? I think I joined um, either August or September of 2021. Mm-hmm. So I've been working with him in his accelerator group for probably 13, 14 months now. Awesome. Right on. Yeah. And uh, could you go ahead and introduce yourself too? You're a therapist. You have some stuff, compassforlife.com. So yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah. So first, I'm a dad and a husband. I've been married. It'll be 23 years next week. Nice. Awesome. Um, yeah, uh, I got three awesome kids. My son Ryan, he's 16. I got a daughter that just turned 13 last week. Her name's Ella, and then my youngest is Ben. He's 11. Um, I'm the oldest of six boys, so um, that's going to probably be part of the story we talk about today for sure. Yeah. And um, kind of my business, I'm I'm a parent coach. I've I've been working with kids for probably 25 years. And probably first 15 years, I was a therapist doing exclusively, you know, just child therapy, mm-hmm. but made a transition about 10 years ago to really um, work with parents and help equip them essentially to be the coach or the therapist mm-hmm. um, nice. and really kind of help heal kids through the parent-child relationship. Right Beautiful. Um, what made yeah. you want to work with kids? <laughs> um, like a couple of things. One, being the oldest of six. I had a lot of responsibility as far as helping out, taking care of. Thankfully, I enjoyed it. I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's one element. The other element is when I was in, um, I think, my senior year of undergrad, the girl I was dating was working with a kid who had autism. Mm-hmm. And um, they needed somebody else to help out. So I kind of took that on as an internship, but really just a way to impress a girl. Yeah. Um, there you go. It all starts that way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me- immediately fell in love with working with kids, especially kids with disabilities. And then, um, I don't know, probably doing that for a couple of years led to just going into graduate school and getting a degree in psychology. And I, I just, I, I tell people this all the time, like 
I feel more comfortable around children than I do adults. Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like I'm at peace. I can kind of be in my element. I relate to kids. I get, I can go in a room, you know, a classroom and within like just 30 seconds, you know, be able to pinpoint the kids that are feeling anxious or behind the eight ball and just need some help. So like my heart, my passion is, you know, to really help those kids. So, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that's interesting because like as I did some research, you know, and even just hearing you say that, I my undergrad was in psychology and of course I'm a, a therapist as well and have worked in my early career worked a lot with the special needs community like yeah. down syndrome, other different uh autism, other um spectrum disabilities and developmental stuff and I always felt a lot of stuff with special olympics, um do a lot of volunteer yeah. work with them. And I always felt really at home with that population because yeah. I don't know what it was. I have another buddy who, like we, him and I talk about this. In, in fact, Matt is mm -hmm. like, we're, we're just, we're drawn to that because it is like some of the realest, most genuine people mm -hmm. you will yeah. ever meet. And it's pure. just, it's yeah, just pure. It's just mm -hmm. on a different yep. plane. And that is something so... Uh, fulfilling and satisfying to work with with folks like that. So, and it sounds like yeah. you 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 feel the same way. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, just kind of add on to that a little bit. The the kid that I started working with who had autism, I was doing in like it was called in home support. Mm -hmm. It's like respite work. Mm -hmm. um, but I ended up working with him for probably a five year time frame, and he was in my wedding. He was my junior groomsman. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So him and I, like he had a huge impact on my life and oh, for sure. um, him and I connected in a way that probably most people would say kids or people with autism generally don't like relationships or mm -hmm. are standoffish, but um, kind of prove, proved all that wrong just mm -hmm. yeah. working with him. And it was, yeah, super rewarding. It was a great way to get my, my career started for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. You just said something that I think I just want to highlight. Um, there's a lot of people in the world who do not think of relationships with kids as being something that would be rewarding to them. They all, it's not like we think of it like a one way thing, like, Oh, well I yeah. help the kid do whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that that blocks a lot of people from having really fruitful relationships with their kids um, or even, you know, their friends, kids or whatever. Um, when you don't see the possibility that that kid could actually change you, you know, yeah. and you just like, it's so honoring, like you're honoring the, humanity of whoever it is. And I just, I just want to point yeah. it out. I don't often meet people who like think of kids that way. And I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Um, yeah, by the way, listeners, this is, uh, we're all, we're talking about parenting, right? How to be the best parents. <laughs> of course, this is a, this is a, a, a marriage show, but it's also a family show and everything is related to everything. So today we're diving into mm -hmm. parenting. And so I want to, so you are um, uh, the founder for Compass for Life. That's, that's your business, yep. right? And you're, you're also practiced through the, the nurtured heart approach. And this is something that yeah. I have never heard of, like in all my years of therapy, I've heard of Glasser, the guy that that um, made it, which I guess I should have heard of the nurtured heart approach. But well, maybe there, there's two Glassers, and a lot of people get those guys mixed up. Ooh. So you might you might be referring to the other one, who's a little bit more renowned, yeah, a little bit more well known. Yeah, that's that's probably the the yeah. thing. But we're talking about the nurtured heart approach. So can you mm -hmm. walk our listeners through some of the tenets of the nurtured heart approach, why yeah. it's impactful and how they can, uh, you know, of course, find more information about it and why it's so useful for our work with um, our kids. Yeah. I, it's interesting. They say you've never heard of it. 
Um, almost every time I go into a training or presentation, ask people, have you ever heard of this? Nobody ever says yes. Yeah. And to me, it's, um, I, I, I came across this approach on accident. I had been practicing for 15 years before I heard about it. And, um, when I first came across it, I was really pissed off to tell you the truth, because I was like, how, how have I been working with kids this long and nobody shared this? Like it should have been in my first class I ever took. Yeah. Every parent should read this approach because Really, the the whole premise behind this approach is that the the connection between a parent and child is the most powerful reward reinforcement. It's it's like what drives a ton of behavior. Kids are created. We're as humans, we're created for connection. But kids aren't born with an idea of who they are. You know, are they loved? Are they valued? Are they competent? Like that's given to them through connection and relationship. And so. I can get into all the neuroscience behind connection and relationship and brain development, but like, like at the root, you're the prize as the adult, Mm -hmm. your energy, your relationship, what you connect to. um, That's what makes you the prize. And a a lot of times what happens is kids, I I call them energy seekers or kids that are more intense. They're just wired differently. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong. They're just um, created for more. (laughs) And um, a lot of times um, the adults kind of interpret that behavior, some of that misbehavior as annoying or as impulsive or problematic. And really, it's just connection seeking, mm-hmm. you know, because we we light up. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'll speak for myself. When my kids do stuff that's annoying and irritating, my blood pressure goes up. My heart rate goes up. I'm a little bit more animated and I, like they're on my radar. Mm-hmm. And so the whole premise behind this this approach is that that energy is the gift. And if you as the adult don't know when you're giving that and connecting and the messages you're sending behind that, what's what's going to happen is you're going to be inadvertently connecting and creating this dynamic where there's a, a huge need and usefulness for, for being inappropriate or being problematic or challenging. And good luck disciplining that away. Right. You know, it's like, what's more important? Privileges, rewards, um, or connection with a human being, mm-hmm. especially a parent. So that that's the foundation or premise is like we as adults have to know what we're connecting to, what we're giving our energy to. And and within that, there's three stands. And all three of these have to be working in unison. Most most parents or teachers use one of these stands or they use them all, but at different stages. You have to use them in unison. Otherwise, the, you know, the whole thing will fall apart. But the first stand is just absolutely no unnecessary energy connection for problems. Mm-hmm. Lectures, warnings, reminders, countdowns, raising your voice, um, any of that stuff that's happening when when you have undesirable behavior for energy seeking kids, especially just communicates that I got my parents attention. I'm on their radar. I'm connected. I don't really care if it's good or bad. I just want the highest, yep. most animated version of you and I um, I think the way our brains are designed is when problems happen, our brain turns on and says, tune in. Yeah. When things are going well, especially if it's like the day-to-day stuff, our brain says, you don't really need to attend to it because it's taken care of. Mm-hmm. But if I'm a kid wanting deep connection and every time I do something annoying or irritating, mom or dad stops what they're doing and corrects me, mm-hmm. shoot, I just got a little jolt, a little... Mm-hmm. Um, Connection. So you have to get really good about doing that. And I was terrible with this before. I was, you know, countdowns, get your name on the board, a check, flip your card, um, all, all of the stuff that are warnings. It really just communicates weakness. 
it, it just it, it just creates drama and unnecessary energy. So that's that's the first stand. You have to get really good at that. Second stand is you have to intentionally, proactively connect and create um, um, like a deep connection with your kid when things are going well in a way that builds them up on the inside. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's much more about here's what I see you doing. Here's the character that it shows as opposed to, you know, good job, way to go, or here's what you earn for doing something well. It's, it's really speaking about the truth of what's happening in the moment and, and giving kids a lot of energy through just like clear discussion about what, what I see you doing, what it shows about who you are. Mm -hmm. So, so um, let, me, let me, let me pause you there for a minute. So just this morning, so we, we have three kids, uh, soon to be 15 year old boy, 13-year-old boy, 10-year-old girl, right? Which I want to ask you some uh, kind of funny, specific <laughs> questions later. Yeah. Um, so our middle kid, the 13-year-old is sick, so he's home all day, right? He's kind of milling around, you know, slow, blah, you know, sick kid. And our 10-year-old had had a uh, Veterans Day concert. You know, this this will come out after Veterans Day, of course. But she was super excited, and our middle kid said something really kind, right? Like, what did he say? Oh, he told when she was leaving for school, he said, I love you and good luck. And awesome. I mean, ugh, I like melts so, her. It melts my heart. But so she, yeah. in, in that, like he, he just did something good, right? Mm -hmm. Like catch your kids doing something good opposed mm -hmm. to something bad, right? So mm -hmm. what would have been the best thing to say? I think, I think maybe one of us said. Oh, I, did, I told him thank you for telling her that. But yeah, yeah, like thanked him. So what, what would be the best thing to say in that when he was doing something good, when we want to see more of that kind, loving relationship yeah, so, building behavior? So saying, hey, thank you for saying that that was really kind or that was very loving. Like there's there's nothing wrong with that. So so this isn't about like if one's better, the other one's worse. Right. It, it, it's my mission or my purpose for saying these statements is I want to reveal to you the truth of who you are so that you see yourself that way, mm -hmm. as opposed to telling you that I'm pleased with what you're doing or I'm happy because of what you did. Mm -hmm. So so. Um, what, what's your kid's name that said this? Tough. T-U-F-F. -F. Tough. Tough. Oh, that's tough awesome. Dudley. <laughs> yeah. Tough. I, I, I just heard you say, um, I love you. Good luck to your, to your sister. That, that shows kindness. Mm -hmm. Here's what you did specifically in detail. Here's what it shows about who you are. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's like a mirror that just reflects over and over again, the truth of who they are without any like, um, attachment to like, making us happy or on the other on the flip side of that is like taking us off or frustrating us. Yeah. Okay. And, that's and, good. Yeah. And the, the interesting part about this too, is my guess is this was something either like above and beyond or something out of the ordinary, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you had an emotional reaction because it was, it was something that had a deep meaning, but it was, it wasn't the day-to-day -day kind of operating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our, our brains notice that. Like if it's something out of the ordinary or really deep and meaningful, like we'll notice that. But my guess is he does that a hundred times a day in different ways that are totally off your radar. Mm -hmm. Not not because you're not in tune or are right. interested. It's just because that's the way our brains are wired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, yeah, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like me thinking back, uh, I can see how that would have been beneficial for me as a kid to build mm. me up and go, oh, wait a minute. Okay, so part of my identity is like, I'm kind, I'm loving, I'm hardworking, I'm confident. Oh, this is who I am kind of thing. Sure. Well, what's funny is that this, I think it was the night before, so it was last night, Tuff did another thing similar 
And I commented on it and I just said, thank you for, and it was more along the lines of what you're saying. I said, thank you for, you know, uh, sharing this thing with your sister, whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. And I said, that shows to me that you are a really kind boy, like, or not yeah. boy called like a dude or something. But, um, <laughs> but then what's funny is that sometimes he will ask me when I say thank you for things, he'll go, why did, why did you say thank you when I told Hattie I love her? So he's actually looking for me to reflect back to him. Yeah. Like he's looking for it. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, I just love that. So what are the other things? What are the there's, other things? There was a third stand yeah. there. Yeah. The, it, and again, this is like a, I don't think I said this in the beginning, but this is a tripod. All three stands have to be together. Mm-hmm. Take one away, the whole thing will collapse. Mm-hmm. But the third stand is just absolute clarity with where the line is. Mm-hmm. And if it's crossed, there's accountability and learning, mm-hmm. but, but it's not a big deal. Like making mistakes is a way to master skills. Right. Like the more mistakes you make, the more practice you get at learning how to not make them again. Mm-hmm. Some kids need lots and lots and lots of practice. <laughs> <laughs> or some adults right? do as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I guess the, the way that I like to think about this is um, it, it's like how a referee would officiate, say, a basketball game. If a player is dribbling the ball and steps out of bounds, the ref just blows the whistle. You know, and just says you're out of bounds. And then it's up to the player whether or not they're going to own that. They can give the ball back, try again, or they can throw a fit. Right. But the ref has no emotional investment, whether the player's in or out. Their, their responsibility or boundary is just hold them accountable and trust that they're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. That is just that right there, I think was worth the price of admission because. <laughs> Parents, so obviously a lot of parenting has to do, well, oftentimes has to do with like where the parent is, their level of emotional maturity, how differentiated or individuated they are, and the ability to respond and not to react. And I've never heard that like basketball ref analogy before. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, all, you know, all 10 players on the court they uh, all the same rules apply to each one, right? Yes. The rules aren't going to change yes. mid-game. Um, all three or four refs on the courts are going to call the same thing, no matter what. They're, you know, a rep isn't going to go. I told you a thousand times when your heel goes over the free throw line, just the thing. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, no ref is going to do that ever, right? <sighs> um, but us as parents do that all the time, all yeah. the time. So uh, I, I just well, love well, that and- analogy. Yeah, I was just going to say, and think about it too. Um, say there's a kid that has ADHD. You know, what would it be like if every all nine players you step on the the line, you're held accountable, but for the person with ADHD, you get a specialized plan. You know, that's your first warning. That's because you're impulsive and you have no like yeah. like the message that communicates is, is that you're not competent, you don't have what it takes, and you need special privileges or exceptions. It doesn't build a kid up. It just tears them down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A- absolutely. And I can like with, with tons, dozens and dozens of kids that I've worked with, usually they had some sort of IEP or something like yeah. that. And oftentimes, and then here's what the goofy thing, like, cause I, I know that you work in schools and I would work in with school districts and stuff as well. Like, Oh, Seth's here, go knock on the door, pull the kid out of class. And everybody's going, Hey Billy, why? Who's that dude? You right. know, well, is that your dad? Uh, no, is that your uncle? No, you know, and it's like 
And then the kid is set apart. Yeah. And yeah. then you go, okay, now let's talk about stuff. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to yeah. talk about stuff. I'm just embarrassed in front of my, all my friends. And this girl that I like mm-hmm. also asked me, why am I leaving the class? I'm like, oh, I'm dumb. I'm going to go talk to Seth mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's just like <laughs> that whole framework just, uh, it, yes, that, that doesn't work. So absolutely. Well, and that's, the, you know, that specific dynamic you're talking about, right before I came across this approach, I, I was burned out. I was ready to quit. I actually had a job lined up as a financial planner. Mm. Uh, I was thinking, what's the complete opposite of working with kids and families? I'm like, people with money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And um, the principal at the time asked me to go to this conference. And uh, I'm so glad I did because listening to this framework within like 30 minutes, I was like, this this is what has been missing from my, my framework, my tools, because I'm so focused on trying to prevent problems, get problems to stop, and, and, and thinking that I'm helping, but really what I'm just communicating is the more problems you have, the more loving, like th- think about the way schools operate. If, if you're a kid that's seeking connection or needing connection, if you have a problem, you get the teacher's attention, usually an assistant. If you're lucky enough, you get to go see the CEO or the president who's the principal. Mm-hmm. You get to go down to the, you know, the office, which is Grand Central Station. You get to hear all the gossip. And, and you, maybe you get a therapist, a psychiatrist, like the most loving humans on the planet for children, you get all of them. Mm-hmm. And why in the world would I ever give that up? Right. You know, if it, right. it, I mean, that, that's why I worked in schools, because I loved working with kids that, you know, were having problems. And they got the most passionate speeches, my, my best work, when generally they were at their worst or when they were having problems. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And it makes me think of like, we went through a, se- a season with Tough actually, and we talk about this on our show. Uh, so listeners are familiar if they've listened to us long enough, they're familiar. Like we went through a really, really hard time with him uh, where we were parenting very incorrectly. We were doing the lecturing. We were like rewarding good behavior, but not sort of like seeing the inner who he is vibes. Yeah. Um, and it was so eye opening uh, that whole process, because it really was like, it took me seeing him behave this way over and over and over until I realized I was like this kid loves to fight with us. It's like one of his favorite things. And he doesn't yeah. know that he loves it. He doesn't know that it's like, it turns all the, it's like a video game. It is literally like a video game for him. Mm-hmm. And so what we, and again, he's awesome. He's wonderful. But one of the things that I had to start saying is like, Hey, we have to stop engaging with, him in this particular way, because it's like that almost like pursuer distancer or like a dog, like when a dog sees a rabbit and he's on. And mm-hmm. it's like, there's yeah. almost nothing you can do, but to like drop it and let it lie and, and wait, which is sounds mm-hmm. so opposite. And it's the opposite of what people want to do. And it's anticlimactic. Like it feels wrong. And it in like our brains are wired for like, okay, I know this circuit. I yell and then I say this and then he yells and then he slams the door and then I do this. So it's like all the circuitry is telling you to do the opposite of the yep. best method, like see them, follow the rules of the thing and drop it, like stop yeah. engaging. And it's so hard, especially if you have wired your kid to do it. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if like I, we definitely set him up, like, like teed him up, like, here's the ball, here's your golf club <laughs> now go. And then we yeah. would all freak out. Right. Uh, so like, what would you say to someone who's in that cycle, like a nine, 10 year old, 11 year old kid, and they have, they are now seeing like, Oh crap. I, yeah, I made the, half of this problem. The, the first thing I would say is um, the, the reason that you're operating that way is because you deeply love your kid. 
-hmm. It would not bother you if you did not care. Mm -hmm. And if you love your child and you deeply care for them, of course, you're going to freak out because that's what our brains are designed to do. It's biological. There's a fire. Your brain says, go put the fire out. If your kid's violating all the values of the family, the same part of your brain turns on and says, go deal with it. You know, so because you care, that's why you respond. Now, is it working? <laughs> no, I'm miserable. I'm stressed. Um, I, I'm starting to have panic at three o'clock when I hear the bus come. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I got a lot of the parents I work with, they have anxiety responses when the phone rings during the school day because they're so used to getting calls from the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, all of that is because they deeply love and care for the kid. Mm-hmm. So what, what what I say is, Number one, you're the prize, you're the gift. And and it's interesting, you were saying, we just kind of teen it up and he seemed to love to drive us nuts. What he really loved is the most alive animated version of you, Yep. which usually happens when we're stressed and like, don't know what to do and feeling hopeless. So Mm -hmm. how would you like to learn three specific stands or tools to completely flip this so that you're connecting with your kid at the right time and and you're still driven by love, but you're connecting to the things you want more of. And the things that are driving you nuts, you don't have to engage with anymore. Yes, please. And I, yeah, I've never had a parent say, that's an idiotic idea. I want to put my kids on meds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And, and not that there's anything, you know, like wrong with medicine, but you okay. got to be careful. Sometimes medicine gets the credit or medicine is the way to kind of deflect ownership on our part. Mm-hmm. So what, um, I think we still haven't gotten to the third stand, so. Or did we? Well, yeah. So the third stand is absolute clarity with the line is. So it's it, yeah. it's more about a discipline model that if you make a mistake, how do you fix it, recover, learn, move forward, rather than pay for having problems, which is you know infused with shame and conflict and mm-hmm. escalating consequences that generally don't teach kids anything mm-hmm. except how to be good liars or mm-hmm. <laughs> um, change the subject and make you start to feel like you're going crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, th- this goes it. I wrote some, some notes down here and I'm going to read like one of the things that says on your website and we can talk about it. And then also what it reminds me of in a different, uh, modality, which me- you may be familiar with, um, Eric Burns work, I think is like back in the seventies. Um, but you said, uh, kids have the innate need to be in relationship, relationship and to belong. And you spoke a, a lot about how parents are the prize, which mm-hmm. honestly makes me feel really good about being a parent of like, I mean, who, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you're like two years old or 82 years old, who honestly doesn't feel good if someone who, you know, maybe you think is cool or you respect or you admire says, hey, let's me and you hang out. Mm-hmm. Let's do something together. I like spending time with you and I want to be with you now. Like I have friends like that. I'm hopefully yeah. a friend like that. <laughs> hopefully, you know, and in relationships, it's like, hey, Melanie, I want to spend time with you. I want to go on a date night. You know that? I mean, how do you feel about that? It's like when I invite you somewhere, mm-hmm. like, cool, I feel wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. even, you know, and I'm in my 40s. If my mom or dad said, hey, um, let's mean you go out to dinner. Let me take you out. I'd be like, okay, that sounds good. Let's go get a coffee. Mm-hmm. Let's do something, right? Um, so how much more do little kids Mm -hmm. really, really seek that? And then going back to the Eric Byrne thing, he talks about, we all seek, uh, he calls them strokes, positive or negative strokes, which is basically just attention. And if we don't get enough positive strokes, you know, seen, heard, validated, you know, loved, then we're going to do whatever we can to 
get those strokes in negative ways. And that makes me think about that um, that, uh, that proverb, um, uh, uh, an unloved kid will burn the village down just to feel its warmth or something you, like that. I don't think that's a proverb. <laughs> No, Never. not like it's, oh, a, it's like I, an African proverb. I thought you yeah, meant like not, not, in not the, from Bible. the book of the Bible. Like, no, no, <laughs> not, like, from, no, not from Proverbs. Well. I don't think I've ever read <laughs> I, that. One. I read it. Um, that also, yeah, I love that you're saying that, and that was really funny. But uh, I think of one of the things that I remember thinking when we were going through everything with Tuff was that um, no matter what, if he started uh, a fight with us, we had time. It didn't matter what was going on. Yes. It didn't matter if it was bedtime. Didn't matter if we were driving somewhere, oh, going to someone's point. house. We made mm-hmm. time for a fight. But guess what we didn't make time for? Playing Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, like pl- like jump roping with him or well, kicking the soccer ball. Well, we did make time ball. for that. It's not like we were ignoring no, uh, him. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying. Not enough. Like he wanted more, yeah. Right. Well, I wish that I had the almost the common sense to be like, hey, why don't I just swap these two things out? Like intentionally add in connected time where I'm seeing mm-hmm. him, I'm hearing him, we're playing and talking. And do it with like a heart of love and care versus, oh, he's, he's lit the fuse. Now all of us are engaged for however long we need to be engaged for. And everyone is sort of like at the mercy of this terrible moment that mm. we can't get out of. Because I remember thinking at some point, I was like, oh, we make time for him every time he's mad. But we don't yeah. make time for him just when he wants to talk or whatever. And it's not like we're terrible parents, you know, but mm. it was a good well, insight. Again, it, it it's really comes from a place of I love and care for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, you were just saying everybody has a need to feel loved, seen, valued. Like when kids are creating, when they're lighting the fuse and creating chaos, they are being seen, they're being loved and they're being valued. Mm -hmm. Because again, like if you don't love them, you're not going to pay attention. It doesn't bother you. Yeah. All right. So, and again, it's important to have all three stands. So if you just choose to disconnect, like usually what happens is they'll escalate to the point where you have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Like this fire is so big, it's not <clears throat> going to put itself out. I better go get yeah. the hose or extinguisher. Right. Yeah. And one of the things mm-hmm. too, that I think is important to address, uh, especially that I would love your, your take on. So in the family that I grew up in, we had, there was a lot of trauma early on when I was young. And so, but at, at, the, at that time, therapy wasn't as accessible. Things like YouTube didn't exist. There was just a lot less education available everywhere. And one of the things I talked to my mom about was like, man, do as many things now when they're young and growing and like get them into therapy, do all this, like you work on you, read parenting books, do all the things that you can. Cause it's almost like it has that, it pays dividends on the, the other end of things. When your mm-hmm. kid is an adult, you're going, they're going to be so much more like healed and whole by the time that they're an adult, that you're not going to have to go back and do all this therapy yeah. and all of this stuff then. So I think a lot of times, what I'm trying to say is that parents don't realize like you can start all of this stuff now, like learning this approach that you're talking about and reading the books and setting a timer, like play with your kid and talk to them about Mm -hmm. this and do these techniques as a point of not having to have them crop up as an, when your kid's an adult or a teenager, you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and one of the things that came to mind is, when you're not getting that as a, a kid, when you're an adult, like life is a lot harder mm-hmm. and trying to learn those skills when you already have a blueprint and a template and wiring that doesn't like jive with that is really difficult. So it's like unlearning and trying to download new things when, um, have you guys tried to learn a new language? Do you guys speak other languages? 
We're currently using uh, Duolingo for Spanish. <laughs> took Spanish. Like, yeah, we like kind of do, Spanish. but no, I don't. I speak actually it. tried so to learn if, a little you, Arabic, but yeah. <laughs> if, if you try to learn um, a couple different languages when you're an infant or a child, you pick it up instantly. If you try to do it as an adult, it's like a thousand times harder, mm-hmm. right? It's, so it's it's like the same thing. If you don't get what you need as a kid and you get trauma instead, mm-hmm. or you know the absence, uh, like neglect. Um, as an adult, not only are you trying to learn a new language, which is really hard, but you're trying to unlearn the other languages that you thought were the right way to, to speak. Mm. Um, and it's really, really hard to do that as an adult. So because it's twofold, it's unlearning and learning new things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's, and, and a lot of the adult work that I used to do, it was all about what are the things that happened in childhood or the defenses and ways that you've chosen to relate or needed to choose to relate that aren't working for you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And as a marriage therapist that comes up and coach that comes up all the time, which it usually always goes back to something. Right. And we shouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. at this because no one had a perfect childhood. Um, right. uh, but yeah, it's uh, the, the unlearning part is, is huge. I think if we're, if we're open to growth and new wisdom, we have to be also open to unlearning things that don't serve us anymore. Right. Sure. Um, I want to, so I want to go. So, so as I said before, we have a 15, 13 and 10 year old. And if you could give, I mean, we could probably talk about this all day, but what specifically would the need of a 15 year old boy be like what you know in your experience you've seen tons of 15 year old kids like what do they need i got a 16 year old boy and i I swear to god his his question for me every single day and he's not overtly asking me this Mm -hmm. it's do i have what it takes oh Mm -hmm. yes hello john eldridge yep Yep. yeah yeah like he'll come by and he'll punch me you know and it's really a test like can i stand like am i tough or yep. we'll go to the gym and just this morning we were working out. He's like, dad, I uh, put up more than you did today. Like, like it's always this competition of like measuring himself against me, the man. Yeah. Am I a man? Do I have what it takes? Am I like, and, and it's, it's not just in physical ways. Like it's in emotional intelligence. It's, you know, a, am I, am I desired? Like do girls like me? How do I get like, how do I navigate those waters? So it's, it's really about competency and, um, emotional maturity and just this overall like question of do I have what it takes and mm-hmm. do you see me as competent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think too, like ask yourself these questions. You know, what did you need when you were 15? I know that sounds silly, but like, no, I'll say that to people. Idea all, of like, reparenting. Yeah. In our women's group, I'm like, what did you need to hear when you were a 12 year old girl? Mm-hmm. And they know like that. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great trick to like, what does my kid need? They're nine. What did I need when I was nine? What do I, what would I would have wanted if I felt that way Mm -hmm. at nine, you know, or whatever. That's a great question. What's your next question? Yeah. Well, it's (laughs) going to be for the 13 year old, but they're similar enough in age, you know, uh, where I think the 13 year old asks that very overtly uh, in a, in a very kind of cool way, which is neat, you know? Um, So, okay. Next one. Uh, What does a 10 year old girl need? I have no idea. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My my daughter just turned 13 and she's in seventh grade. I swear to God, uh, a switch flipped this year oh. where it went from like daddy's girl to um, I have a social life. You are not included in that. I'd like to be by myself at all times. I'm not really interested in affection. And have you guys read that book, Untangled? No. Right no. Down. Um. That's the second time I've heard of it today, in fact. 
Didn't you say something? Um, who's the author? Um, I, I, I can't remember. I just, uh, Larry was talking about, it. he just interviewed Larry Hagner, just interviewed the author. Yeah. Oh, that Monica. might be why. Yeah. That's, that's where I heard it. Yep. Yep. But it's like the seven developmental, mm -hmm. um, stages of, you know, at, um, being like a little girl to adolescence, teenager, and then to one. And the first one is separating from your parent, mm. um, which is exactly what my daughter's doing right now. So for, for me, I like where my mind has been over the last couple of weeks is this isn't like defiance. This isn't um, dad's disgusting and I hate dad. And like, I just need to throw him under the bus. This is like a innate need that I have what it takes, but I can be trusted. Mm. Um, I can make good decisions. Um, I'm mature. Like I just, I, I like, I'm really big on competency. Mm -hmm. Like that seems to be an under, but, um, me telling my daughter how beautiful she is. Like that's going to gross her out now. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, it was like, she would beam and like brush her hair and flutter her eye, you know, her eyelids, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or eyelashes, um, <laughs> her eyelids. Whoa. She's yeah, her eyelids. I'm like, wait a second. My daughter actually does this thing with her eyes where she can make them like, yeah, go back and does that. like does it that. totally like just freaks me out. Yeah. You know, it's like she's having a seizure or something. But, like that can't be good. <laughs> yeah. So for, for like a 10 year old girl, I still think it's, you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. You're the apple of my eye. You're worthy and precious and, um, so many ways you can go about doing that, whether it's physical affection or just your words of affirmation and mm -hmm. quality time. Yeah. But a 13 year old girl is a completely different in my house. It's a completely different animal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I can see that with, with our daughter. I mean, you know, she's only 10 and I took <clears> her to a daddy daughter dance before COVID stuff. And I swear it was just like dopamine oxytocin uh, drip rainbows. for her brain. She was just like, yeah. It was it was so <laughs> awesome, right? And and yeah. COVID kind of messed that up, so we yeah. hadn't gone to one. But we were just dancing in the kitchen this morning. I like twirled her around. I was like, okay, Seth, pay attention to this. This is here. You're present. Be present. And it was pretty yeah. cool. Um. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Which with, with your your daughter, I you know, just for our listeners, that is nothing to be alarmed. It is the most appropriate, mm -hmm. most developmental, uh, normal thing possible, right? And mm -hmm. just knowing that can give a lot of folks yeah. some uh, security and, and not like, oh, what did I do wrong? Oh right. my gosh. It's like, no. Well, this that is, is, this is common too in boys. Like, have you read right. the book Brainstorm by Dr. Dan Siegel? It's really, no, really I haven't. Cool. I can't believe I haven't read that because I love Dan Oh, Siegel. he's like my favorite. Uh, yeah. I have a crush on him. Don't tell my husband. <laughs> Uh, but Dan Siegel has a book called Brainstorm and it's all about the developing brain. And he talks about the different phases and like ways that your brain works. And that was one of the most helpful chapters was like early adolescence. And I read this a few years before we had teenagers and I'm so glad that I did because it's like the pushing away from your parent is like a biologic, it's a thing that we go through. It's not, you're not bad. You're not dumb. They don't hate you. You didn't like mess up. It's actually like wired into humans to pull away like that because they need to become adults. Mm -hmm. And if we yeah. look at that process and we start to like shame it or shame them or put like weird meaning to it, that just isn't there. It can cause so much trouble and heartache and confusion on both sides or on all sides. So um, yeah, that book is really, really good. I love it. Well, and I like what you're saying as far as I read that a couple of years before, mm -hmm. because most parents and like myself included at times, like 
once things start to go sideways, that's when I start to learn. Mm -hmm. And it can just save a lot of grief because if you're prepared for it, you understand it. If you're not, you you attach meaning to it that usually isn't going to serve you very well. Right. Yeah. Or serve like, my, too. Yeah. Like my, my daughter pulling away, like it sucks if I'm honest. Like she's not daddy's little girl anymore. It's like mm -hmm. she doesn't want to be twirled. Like those days are over temporarily. Yeah. And like I have to get really creative at ways to stay connected and and fit in in a way that she can receive mm -hmm. um, because the natural, like just being playful and things mm -hmm. that kind of come spontaneous and natural for me, like she's pushing away. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to give her a hug the other day and she's like, Oh my God, when did you shower last? I <laughs> literally just got out of like shower 10 minutes earlier. <laughs> I, like, I, could, I could not have smelled any better. <laughs> That's funny. And so yeah. it, it, if you know that as a parent, then you're not going to take things like mm -hmm. that personally or like you said you're yeah. not going to attach meaning to it you're gonna be like oh mm -hmm. okay it, yeah Whatever. it makes me think too like our son tough will say things like that where it's almost like i can look at it now and go he's testing out he's literally like testing out sentences that adults say around yeah. him and he's just trying to see if it works and it's funny because yeah, sometimes yeah. you're like no that one didn't work that didn't come that didn't out land. nicely yeah. uh and and we try to like be playful about it but I look at this phase for like, you know, teenage adolescent years, like they're, they're just testing things out. Have you heard that analogy of the, oh, uh, the roller coaster and the, like the bars on a roller coaster? Uh, have you heard that? Whole, oh, mm -hmm. it's so good. And I don't, I cannot remember where I heard it. Let's just pretend it was Dan Siegel. Dan Siegel once said, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, so there was an analogy where someone was talking about um, parenting through the teenage years is like riding a roller coaster. And a lot of times parents don't realize, okay, when you get on a roller coaster and it goes upside down, right? That kind of roller coaster. The first thing that happens is the things come down that hold you in. What's the first thing you do when those like straps come down to hold you in? You Grab shake them. them. You push on them. You go, mm -hmm. is this stuff yeah. going to break when this thing is upside down? And so they're talking oh. about how that is the analogy of like teenagers are not pushing on you because they hate you. They're not pushing on you because of whatever. They want to make sure you're there when stuff turns upside down. And, and if we can have that in our brain, like, oh, it's almost like a safety. Like I'm going to see, I'm testing this. I'm pushing this to make sure you're there. Uh, it, it changes how you see situations. It changes mm -hmm. how I see them with my kids anyway. But yeah. Dan yeah, Siegel's I'm a genius. I'm going to definitely be um, quoting Dan Siegel this yeah. week in my coaching sessions. <laughs> Did you hear about the roller coaster? <laughs> uh, no, that, now that, yeah, that's a perfect, that's a, like a really good analogy. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think that works a lot. That works really well when you're trying to communicate with parents just because it, because it's hard not to take it personal or Absolutely. to be heard or mm -hmm. I'm just thinking like when my daughter was like, Oh God, like, um, God, you stink. Like when's the last time you took a shower? Like what I should have done is like smelled my armpit and like, Oh crap. You're right. I do stink. Right. You know, because like injecting humor, mm -hmm. like creates more safety and like, yeah, because my impulse is like, God, why are you so rude? Why are you being right. disrespectful? I'm just trying to give you a hug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's kind of where my you? gut's going. Yeah. 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 Get yeah, over yeah. here and like hug me back. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. No, so you get into right. like the, what is that? You grab their head and you like. A noogie. Yeah. yeah. A noogie. <laughs> or whatever. A nougat. <laughs> it's not a candy bar. So, okay. This next question, I am seriously asking for a friend. I'm not just making it up. Yeah. Like right? it's actually our friend. <laughs> what? Um, and he'll, he'll know who I'm talking about, but what would be the best advice for a dad and his young nine-year-old daughter who are constantly just 
butting heads. Like, of course, they love each other to death. Um, the the guy, great guy, wants to be kick-ass dad in all ways, and he is. But they are just boom, 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 butting heads. What would be some some best advice for the dad? Because of course, a nine year old has little responsibility. It's right. all how we act. Well, and like, can I add a little side. caveat? These are both yeah. like high intensity people. Like they need all the things all the time. Uh, so that's yeah. just like I think an extra thing that's helpful to know. Yeah, that word intensity is a, a word we we use a lot in the nurture to heart approach um, because your intensity is your greatness. It's like if you if you learn how to manage that in, in a way that's going to work for you and work for the relationships, it's like your gift. Mm-hmm. So we we definitely don't want to punish or shame or um, medicate that intensity way. We want to be able to um, reveal ways that you're actually managing that in a healthy way. Um, the first thing I would say to the dad is, um, why are you butting heads with a nine-year-old? Mm. Like, in, like in in what other relationship would you advise somebody to be doing that? Because if you're butting heads with a nine-year-old, there's obviously some kind of dynamic going on that you're not aware of, because that's completely ir- illogical, irrational. Like, who's going to argue? If, if you saw somebody at work arguing with a nine-year-old on the street, you'd probably tell them to knock it off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So, so what, what do you think he would say if you, you just said, why, why are you, are you aware? Or why are you arguing with a nine? He, he would say probably what I would say to that when I've had arguments with our once yeah. nine year old of like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe you, you're trying to parent the way you were parented and you hated it how you felt. Mm-hmm then and you're only doing more of what you know so there's something yeah. that you have to work on and i'm literally just talking to myself now like you oh, would know ooh. it was dumb though he would be like oh yeah you're right i just don't know how not to mm-hmm. yeah be, because he's operating on a default system mm-hmm. you know this is a this is an impulsive response arguing with a nine-year-old is not like a strategic effective way of communicating i don't think anybody on the planet would say that yeah. <laughs> and if they did, maybe they don't need to be working with a coach. They need to work with someone else. Yeah. Um, like a prison guard or something. But um <laughs> so so first of all, like have an understanding that okay, this is not smart, this is not illogical. Now you're in an open, like, okay, why is that? What can I do different? Mm-hmm. Um, you're operating out of a default system. And it, the only way to switch this is if you learn a different set of tools, because if you care and you're operating on a default system, that's better than giving up and quitting, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. unless he's like, I'm ready to cash my chips, I want to give this child up, I don't want to be a parent anymore, which clearly he's not, otherwise he wouldn't be asking questions and hanging out with the two of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's really about learning a different set of tools that, that are going to help you like achieve what you want, but also operate in a way that you can have integrity with. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't feel good walking away from an argument you know, raising, I've never felt good raising my voice towards my kids or yelling or Mm -hmm. behaving in a way that, you know, were ways that I promised I would never behave (laughs) when I became a parent. Yeah. I would love to know like, um, what, what some tools are for breaking. So I know like our kid was high intensity Mm -hmm. too. That was part of the issue is that it took me so long to realize he was after intensity, but I was feeding that cycle. So what things would you recommend to like break the cycle of intensity? If you're a higher intensity parent working on a default sure. system and you got a high intensity kiddo, like what just 
things would you sure. recommend? So the, the place I would start and like the specific tools I'd probably mm-hmm. give to this guy is what, what are five of your top character qualities or values, mm-hmm. but put them in like character traits. Mm-hmm. Um, my guess is respect would probably be one of the ones that pops for him. Usually you raise your voice when you sense your child being disrespectful or ungrateful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and instead of teaching your kid all about respect when they're being disrespectful, how about we start getting strategic about being on the lookout for examples of respect? Mm. And when you see it, give that same passion and energy when that's happening. Mm. Love it. Like you have to have somewhere to take all this negative energy and, mm-hmm. and invest it somewhere else. And mm-hmm. so you might as well invest it in things that you want more of that are going to bring you joy and hope. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, you're learning a different skill on how have you guys ever talked to your kids about respect or been lecturing your kids about respect right after they were disrespectful and they said, Mm -hmm. mom or dad, thanks so much for that insight. I I never saw it that way. I appreciate the, you know, (laughs) kids kids are not open to learning when they're being confronted or disciplined. Mm -hmm. Like that's just not the time. And, and so if you really want your child to learn about respect and the importance of being respect, you have to just change your timing. Mm-hmm. Your message is the same. It's just you flip the timing. Mm-hmm. And so the time to talk about respect is when you have evidence of it. Mm. You know, like right now, the two of you aren't interrupting each other. You're taking turns. That's, you know, self-control. That's mm-hmm. thoughtfulness. That's kindness. You know, it, it's, it's happening like 24-7. We're just not trained to see it. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's the beginning phase is the whole paradigm shift is number one, you have to be aware of how you're responding <laughs> is, is not a way that you would recommend anybody else respond and be willing to stop, but you can't stop unless you have a tool to replace instead. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And it's, I think too, like if you really push into like who you want your child to become or who they, who you think that they'll become like the best version of them. And like lift it up every time you see it, not because you're trying to get a reward, but like, oh my gosh, I love that you were so kind to your sister. That is so cool. And she loves it. And it shows that you're a kind person. Like, but the, mm-hmm. it's almost like so subtle. It's hard to remember to do those things. It's hard to remember yeah. to catch the good mm-hmm. when we're like blind to it 99% of the time. But it's so, so important. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's well, an investment. It, yeah. Yeah. And I think like, for for the parents that I work with when I'm just in the beginning stages of this, like you, you're right. You're, you're not going to remember that. And mm-hmm. it's not about willpower. You, you have to somehow trigger your brain to be on the lookout for it. Because mm-hmm. again, the brain doesn't notice things that um, are just like the day-to-day operating right. stuff. Mm-hmm. It's something out of the ordinary. Like mm-hmm. I love you. Good luck. Right. Or it's right. the things that drive us crazy that create a stress response. So mm-hmm. parents put post-its up. They put ringers on their phone. And uh, one dad, he was a teacher. He put like 10 paper clips in his pocket. And before he took off his work pants, he had to transfer all those paper clips to the other one by giving 10 positive statements to his kids about respect. Oh, I like, like that. they're I like just that. like, oh, these little ways to hijack mm-hmm. to, to, so, so that you do remember it until mm-hmm. it becomes a habit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what is that? Well, it's called forced functioning. Um, and I don't remember the the author of that. Dan Siegel. Dan Siegel. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was <laughs> going going back to him, right? Um, 
Uh, no, that was well it done. It wasn't him. Really it well was uh, maybe Charles Duhigg or somebody, somebody like Charles that. Dickens. No, uh, but uh, force functioning, right? Like the paper clips and the things. Just don't, don't, don't be silly and don't rely on your brain. Mm. Just, just your brain alone to like remember mm. this stuff because oh, guess what? Stuff will get in the way. You'll have you have to get gas on the way home, yeah. or yeah. Your favorite songs on the radio, or or whatever the dog barfed, or who knows what, and then boom, all that stuff is gone. So forced functioning. Yeah. So I want to be respectful of your time, and you 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 said something how intensity is like, uh, like a gift, a, a gift. You know that made and, me feel really seen. By the way, <laughs> it's like oh. That's awesome. Uh, but that, that ties into one thing that I wrote down that's on your website, the uh, tapping into the inner wealth of children. Can you briefly talk about that statement alone and how parents yeah. can uh, recognize that in their kids? Yeah, and this is, this is part of like nurtured heart philosophy. Um, in, inner wealth is the belief system that I have what it takes regardless of circumstances. Like I have innate value, I have I, I have worth, and you know, kids need more inner wealth now than I think ever. Mm-hmm. And if you think about kids that have challenges, that have a hard time managing their intensity or they're you know wired differently, like they need a whole lot more inner wealth because they have a whole lot more challenges. Mm-hmm. So so it's really like an inner belief system that says I I have what it takes, I can overcome this, I'll be fine. I know I, and if I don't know what to do, I know where to go. So I'm resourceful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why the parenting is so important is because you want to create a home, like an environment in the home where not having the answer is okay. Mm-hmm. And asking for help is okay. And us as parents being open um, and available to notice that. So kids, you know, feel comfortable asking us when they need help, but that, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the inner wealth is really just a belief system that you got it. I want to comment on that because we work with adults and what, and it's really interesting. I've never kind of pieced these things together that when, and I think especially men, if they don't get that inner wealth of like you are enough, just how you are, like you have value, you have what it takes. You have what it takes. And if you don't know, you can go find it. And then what happens is they accidentally look for that the way that their parent was, it's almost like their parent was the, the giver of value. And then all of a sudden their wife, becomes the giver of that value. And, and it, yeah. it creates this parent child dynamic mm-hmm. that nobody wants, but it's unintentionally happening. So I think that could yeah. be like a good insight for parents, like for your kids, like set them up to know, to be secure. I think that's one of the best gifts that my parents gave me. They were like, you're enough, just how you are. Like mm-hmm. no matter what you can't, you can't walk away so far that we'll never take you back kind of vibes. And it was so, um, it set me up to be really stable as an adult and not like need Seth to do whatever, but I could allow that relationship to be sort of more organic. I love that. That was a really cool yeah. like thing that popped into my head as you said that. Yeah. But that, that, that is, that is good. We, it's funny because we have a lot of notes here. Um, Thank we you. We should do this again. Yeah, th- this is would great. Would you be down to do this again? Because I have like sure. eight. Th- I think what we should do would be really cool is like have a topic each time to just like, let's only talk about Dive this into. thing for like the whole hour. And then let's do like 15 of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's you all year. <laughs> well, I, I really want because. Uh, yeah, I love talking about this stuff. You guys yeah. are super easy to talk to. I think when you're talking to parents that actually kind of get it and are kind of high performing parents that have a heart to help other people it it just kind of naturally organically goes in the right direction so mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure. i'm all Love in it. 
and and a lot of our listeners are open to it as well. So I want some of our well, not some. I want ten of our listeners. No, I want all of our listeners to go I and check 12. out. Right, <laughs> twelve of our listeners go check out yes. Dan. No, um, but what like you you do parent coaching like for specific things um, with yeah. with parent child relationships. Yeah. So where can people find all that you want them to find? Um, you can go to my website for sure. I got videos and some like information on this, but I would say the best thing they can do is just email me and get on a, get on a quick call and talk a little bit more because I, I, I have like a, I created a 90 day intensive like parent coaching process to help parents learn and master these three specific stands Mm -hmm. in a, in, in a way, in a way that they can be genuine and authentically implementing it. I'm not big into programs and say it this way and do it this way. Cause nobody's wired the same way. And when you do that, you really kind of take away from the personality and temperament of a parent. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, all right. Um, well, the, the website is the compass, number four life.com. And what is your compass email? Compass is the word you say compass. I say compass. Well, I say it from a Southern accent. So <laughs> you guys know what I'm saying, but yeah. what, what, uh, how can people contact you? What is your email address? It's uh Dan at the compass for life.com. Nice. All right. So that's super simple. We'll, we'll include yeah. that in our show notes and on Instagram and stuff like that. But yeah, Dan, thank you so much, man. Thank you for showing up uh, as a parent, as a husband, yeah. as a dude who's out there doing good work and as a fellow therapist, a therapist also doing good work, seeing the need yeah. and being willing to dive into those communities that are sometimes hard to, hard to serve, but yeah. you do it. So yeah. good job, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Enjoyed yeah. It. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you got a ton of value as we did from Dan. Uh, Make sure and reach out to him, actually. Uh, He gives us contact info. We'll also include it in the show notes, but reach out to him. I highly encourage you want to learn more about parenting, go do a coaching class that he has. Uh, He'll love to work with you. Super cool guy. So, All right. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Anatomy of Us. This podcast is produced by my mom, Melanie Studley, and hosted by my dad, Seth Studley. Our show is edited and published by our producer, Reva Hansen, from Creative Media Support. Special thanks to our Patreon members that get an extra episode every week. Thanks for watching. Love you. Bye.